Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Dismantle Racism with where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism and create a world where racial equity really does exist for everyone. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Today, we are going to be talking about racial battle fatigue and the hidden cost of being Black in America, of being Indigenous, a person of color in general in America. And so today, as always, I want to start out by having us actually just to breathe. I know the discussion of racism can be one that is heavy for many people. A lot of folks are tired of talking about it. A lot of folks have a lot of angst when we began this conversation on racism. So today I want to simply invite you to just take a moment to breathe. And I invite you to breathe in our collective desire for healing our physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual wounds that are the result of racism. And as you're breathing that in, I want you just to release the weariness and the weight and the trauma that is associated with racism. Breathe in our desire to heal broken relationships and release discord and dissension. Breathe in reconciliation, awareness and understanding. Release defensiveness, anger and fear. Breathe in hope, commitment and faith that we really can change this world. Release apathy, complacency, and hopelessness. I invite you as we participate in the discussion of this show today on racial battle fatigue to simply take a moment to breathe and remind yourself that you are life itself. And within you is the power to heal and to help change not only your circumstances, but the world around you. And so it is, Ashe and Amen. Last month was Mental Health Awareness Month. And so it's appropriate for us to really have a conversation, not just Uh, that that started last month, but that continues into this month and going forward, mental health and racism. How does it impact Black, Indigenous people of color? Last week, May 25th, 2021, marked the one marked one year since the murder of George Floyd. And around the country, people held remembrances and commemorations. And it's interesting that this commemoration took place shortly after the trial of Derek Chauvin. Many of us watched that trial and we watched with this anticipation of what would happen. Would this man be really charged with the murder of George Floyd? And many people felt a sense of relief once the verdict was in. This week on May 31st, it marked the 100th anniversary of the massacre 
that destroyed Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I invite you to take an opportunity if you do not know what Black Wall Street was, if you do not know about the massacre in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I invite you to take some time to do your research and study it. But here's what President Biden said. He said, some injustices are so heinous, so horrific, so grievous, they cannot be buried no matter how hard people try. He also said, only with truth can come healing. We can't just choose what we want to know and not what, what we should know. And so he says, I come here to help fill the silence because in silence, wounds deepen. That's a powerful statement that in silence, wounds deepen. It is true that we must discuss the things that have happened to people of color the things that have happened in the past, the things that are happening now. It is true that we must discuss those things, but it is also true that those things can be a part of our wounding as well. They are reminders sometimes of our resilience that we are still standing despite what has happened to us in the world. But at the same time, they are also this reminder that day in and day out that we are not valued in this country. In just a few weeks, we are going to celebrate Juneteenth. And it's the day of independence for African-American people who were enslaved in Texas. Two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, two years after they learned of their freedom. So we celebrate that day. But even as we celebrate, again, it is a reminder of the atrocities that have been placed on people of color and black people in particular in this country. Daily, there are reminders that when you are a person of color in this country and beyond, you are not valued. Ultimately, it takes its toll on us. And there are a range of responses, feelings and emotions that come up and so while there's hope and acknowledgement and people saying, I see you, I understand what you've gone through, there's also anger and frustration and sadness and even more. And so today's guest is going to talk to us about what are some of the things that she's seen in her practice as it relates to Black Indigenous people of color and the rise in the number of folks of color who are seeking mental health treatment. What are some of the things that we can do to help us to get through the day-to-day -day microaggressions and then help us to understand how to deal with that macroaggressions and the trauma that occurs as well. And so I'm so excited to have today's guest to come and to talk to us, not just to people of color, but to also talk to our white kindred as well so that you will know how to not only be allies for us, but to help dismantle systems of racism and to know how these systems of racism impact not only people of color, but impact you as well, your communities, your businesses, and your families. So today I'd like to introduce to you Dr. Roselle Jenkins. 
Dr. Jenkins is an author and her book is entitled Cultivating Joy, Sheltering Within During Life Storms. She has 20 plus years of experience equipping people with skills to manage difficulties when they encounter expected and unexpected situations. As the founder of MW Solutions PC, she provides emotional wellness and consulting services to businesses, organizations, and professionals. She is a licensed psychologist, trainer, speaker, and consultant. And as a self-described joyful living architect, her trainings and seminars help individuals identify the behavioral changes necessary to intentionally cultivate joy in their lives while functioning effectively in their personal and professional environments. She has a wealth of accomplishments, but I dare say that one of her greatest joys, since her book is entitled Cultivating Joy, one of her greatest joys is being related to me. She is indeed my family. She is my uh, niece and my colleague and friend. And we spend a great deal of time talking about mental health issues in general and ways in which to dismantle racism, but we also spend a lot of time talking about trauma. So I am delighted to welcome to the show today, my friend and colleague, Dr. Roselle Jenkins. Thank you so much for joining us. And I do appreciate, I know that you're on vacation. I do appreciate that you are taking time out of your vacation to talk about a subject that is so dear to us personally, but it's one that is dear to so many people who are listening. So welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Good morning. So Dr. Jenkins, I would love to start out talking about um, what are some of the tools, in fact, that you use for yourself in dealing with racial trauma. And I, I love starting out from a place of identifying whether people have a sacred connection that helps them in the work that they do. So can we start by um, talking about perhaps what are some of your, your thoughts around our own shared humanity and our own connection with a higher source? Do you have that connection and how does it help you in dealing with your work? I do have that connection and the work is challenging. I, you are a psychologist, so you know this as well. And for me, having that connection just helps me on the days that it feels overwhelming. It feels like, okay, I don't know that I have the strength or the fortitude to take on so much. And then that I remember that connection. I, I actually connect to it and that renews me. And the way that I do that, I do that through meditation. I do that through quiet time. I do that through being out in nature. That is one of my um, best ways of reconnecting, just being out in nature and connecting to all that is divine. And that that always energizes me, especially on the, on the days that, that is sunny, but just really being very mindful and paying attention to everything that is alive and that has energy. So I find that very renewing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how do you find, I know that we've had these conversations around a recognition that we are more than just our human experience. How does your belief in the sacred help you with that? 
Well, thinking about that we are more than that, when I'm hearing about the tragedies and atrocities and um, the ongoing um, instances of racism in our country and other other world, other places, that helps me just in knowing that there's something more than this. Um, just knowing that this will not last always. So that is really the way that it helps me. Mm. I want to talk a little bit uh, uh, more about uh, the the spiritual connection. We're going to take a break in in just a few minutes, but I want to talk a little bit more about just that spiritual connection and really the day-to-day of living with racial battle fatigue. We're going to talk a little bit more about what that means when we return. So uh, stay with us and we'll be right back. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Innings. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
Welcome back to Dismantle Racism with the Reverend Dr. TLC. Today's guest is Dr. Roselle Jenkins, who is a licensed psychologist. And we're talking today about mental health and racism. Before the break, Dr. Jenkins, you mentioned that with your spiritual connection, you try to remind yourself that we are really more in the more than just this human experience. And I imagine along with that is a reminder that we all are connected to one another and we have a shared humanity as well. And so all of that is great, is really powerful when we're able to um, connect with something that's much bigger than ourselves. But I wonder how do we deal with the day-to-day of racism, even while we're connected with that, even while we look at ourselves, I know you and I have had many conversations about the craziness of this world, and we just say, this cannot be real. Like, th- there is more to this than what we're looking at. This crazy, chaotic world, there's more to it. And so in those conversations, we're able to take ourselves to that higher level. However, that does not mean that the day-to-day microaggressions that we experience do not impact us. And what we're talking about today is what are we seeing? How do people cope with it? Uh, And what exactly is racial battle fatigue? And so for our listening audience, really racial battle fatigue is a a phrase that was coined by William Smith, uh, who's done a lot on critical race theory. And it really is the cumulative effects of race-related stress. It is the stress that We feel when we've been dismissed or dismayed, it's really the stress of living as a person of color in America. I had an incident that happened to me where I walked in the store with my daughter uh, very recently and I had my hoodie on because it was raining. And she said, mom, take your hoodie off so they don't think that you're stealing something. And when we got outside later, I said to her, I think I've been black longer than you have. So I know the routine. And we sort of chuckled about it. And then we said, but isn't it a shame that we have to think about that? That's just one incident of the day-to-day experiences that we encounter. So tell me a little bit about what you have been noticing in your practice since really this awakening, seemingly awakening of people around racial inequities. Well, certainly I've noticed that there has been an uptick in the number of people seeking therapy. And some of it is the racial awaken the racial awakening. And some of it is, of course, things that people are experiencing during the pandemic, more anxiety, more depression, but it didn't help that then that happened. What happened in the midst of that was that we had all of this um, social unrest and we had the murder of George Floyd, and then we had other murders after that. So we had a lot of people dealing with anxiety, depression, racial trauma on top of, you know, everything else that they were probably already experiencing on a daily day-to-day basis for which they had not sought therapy for previously. But now I've seen people, it's not just Black people, other people of color also being more aware and talking about how these incidences are impacting them and how they can be allies. So I, I've seen um, just the gamut. Of, mm-hmm. and, and of course, um, white people as well. 
Mm-hmm. So, so tell me a little bit about how the anxiety might be manifested, even depression might be manifested. And I'm asking in particular, because I know that for many people of color, it's almost like we've learned a pattern of suppressing mm-hmm. our feelings and not dealing uh, with any type of trauma that has occurred. So what would be some examples and some um, clues that we need to get some help? Okay. So it's different based on, on age. So for example, people who are in their early twenties or eight, I guess about 18 to 25, I would say when I see people in that age range, they feel more hopelessness because they haven't had the experience of dealing with all of these things and learning how to cope with it, or even believing that things will get better because they've been in the world long enough to see that. So they feel more hopeless and um, apocalyptic in some senses, thinking, okay, is this it? And actually, when I've seen a surge in more suicidal ideation, it's been from that group because they are thinking, well, is this it? Is this, is this the best that the world has to give us? And if this is the best that the world has to give us, then I really don't want any parts of this. So hearing more, more hopelessness. Um, Can we more, pause just for, okay. for a second? I would love, I, I do want to see, okay. hear more about the symptoms, but this issue of suicidal ideation and suicide mm-hmm. attempts is mm-hmm. actually very significant because mm-hmm. what the research has shown and what people are saying when you read um, just newspaper articles and et cetera, is that there has been a rise mm-hmm. in suicide attempts. Yes, COVID related, but also, as you're saying, related to racial trauma and mm-hmm. that people are feeling this sense of, you know, I just can't deal with this any longer. Either the world is going to kill me or I'm going to kill myself. So is there more that you can say about um, just in terms of these feelings of suicide and, and some indicators that people should go and get help? If a person is feeling like they don't want to live any longer, that, that's a primary indicator. And if people around them are hearing someone talking about that, then that's an indication that that person needs help. But if you see that a person has lost motivation to do the things that usually interested them, um, if they are not wanting to associate with friends, and I know some of this, because of COVID, is hard to tell. Like, are some people feeling anxious because I don't want to go out because of COVID? Or is it that they really just don't feel like they want to engage with people or with society anymore? So being able to fit to... um, determine which one it is will require some conversation uh, with the person in your life, the person you're seeing these changes. I would just say, pay attention, pay attention to what they're saying, what they're doing. Are they, especially if it's a person that, you know, you're accustomed to seeing just kind of be more interactive. Are they staying in their room more? Are they to themselves more? Do you see them not engaging with anyone? They're not even talking on the phone or those types of things. If you notice that, then I would definitely say that is a sign that a person is needing some help. And I think it's really critical that, yes, we we think to ourselves, is this COVID related? Is it race related? In the instance of where we're seeing the changes that you're talking about, in some ways, it doesn't matter in that moment. What matters is, is that we get help. But I do think that 
the, the accumulation of mm -hmm. the fears around COVID, the anxiety around COVID. And then we just saw this upsurge of, of people out in the streets protesting mm -hmm. around racial inequities. But not only did we see that, we also saw more instances of blatant racism. And then we get to this place in the country of where people are, um, you know, there's, a, there's an uprising at the Capitol, which, which shows the difference between the way people of color are treated and whites are treated. All of that is a part of this racial battle fatigue that we are experiencing because each incident says that your life really doesn't matter. And so mm -hmm. when we see people and hear people who are like, all lives matter, folks don't even understand how that is a microaggression, how that is another thing that says to us, you don't matter. And so I wonder, uh, as, as you're talking about uh, the symptoms that people are experiencing, I would love for you to say a little bit more around uh, just even symptoms of depression, but also symptoms of people maybe acting out at times, how it might impact people's relationships. So could you talk a little bit more about that so folks can know what to look for? Okay, in terms of it impacting relationships, it can Im impact relationships with people at home where people are more irritable or um, because they're more, more anxious, then they may with be more withdrawn. It can impact people professionally because you may see the same types of things where people just don't have the patience. Like, so you mentioned microaggressions. I've heard people talking about things that are said at work because many of my clients are still working. They're in corporate America and just dealing with either have people having conversations at work, not understanding the things that are happening in the world or saying things that they feel are insensitive and having a response to that, having a negative response to that and um, not knowing what to do with that, not knowing do I say something or feeling like I'm not going to be able to control myself if I do say something. So really just in terms of feeling like people aren't able to manage in many of the same ways. And I, I've said that earlier, but it's really this sense of, I'm just not able to manage all of these different things and, and not performing in the same way. So I've seen a lot of that where people just think I'm not performing in the same way. I'm not performing in the same way at home. I don't feel motivated in the same way. I'm not performing on my job in the same way. Just again, it comes back to this sense of really hopelessness in some ways. And then sometimes it's guilt. Sometimes it's, what more can I do? So I see that with people of color. Sometimes I see that with white people, just, okay, there's so much out there. What can I do? Yes. And that is really a good place for us to, uh, to talk about what more that we all can do in terms mm -hmm. of even the self-care, because, you know, white people also need to practice self-care in mm -hmm. this journey of racial equity as well. But I do know that in addition to the psychological symptoms that are occurring, see, some of the things that you just explained are people who have some level of consciousness that uh, this racism is impacting them. But I think there are also the physical symptoms that people experience as yeah. well. When people have headaches constantly, when they're feeling perhaps a tightness in their chest, mm -hmm. sometimes when they're feeling literally a weight 
on their shoulders mm -hmm. or if they're having, for instance, intestinal problems. And also when we, we, we're, we're going to need to take a break in just a minute, but racial battle fatigue is also very similar to post-traumatic stress syndrome. And so there's a bit of hypervigilance as well. Uh, you know, a bit of, I really don't like using the word paranoia sometimes because I think that sometimes people take it in the wrong way and say, oh, you're just being paranoid. But the truth is that there are some legitimate reasons for people to be in this place of um, wondering if they've been discriminated against or wondering if something is going to happen to them. So Dr. Jenkins, when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit uh, about issues of safety as it relates to uh, BIPOC people. And if you could talk a little bit about uh, how we can participate in, in helping ourselves to feel a little bit more safe and secure, but also how others could uh, do that as well. We'll be right back after these messages and more with Dr. Jenkins. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
Hi, we're back with Dismantle Racism, and my guest today is Dr. Roselle Jenkins. And prior to the break, we were talking about feelings of safety for BIPOC people. And I wonder, Dr. Jenkins, if you have some thoughts about ways in which BIPOC people can feel a bit more safe in their day-to-day interactions and moving throughout the world. I I paused when I thought about when you asked that question because I really think it depends on the setting. So if a person is feeling unsafe and they really don't have a reason to feel unsafe, then yes, there there are plenty of ways that they can feel more safe. So really evaluate the situation and saying, okay, so I feel this anxiety or I feel this worry, but is this based on, is it based on some some past collective trauma that my people have experienced, or is this really something that is a real threat to me, and being able to distinguish between the two, and I can give an example from my own life, Um, I have a young son, and one day I told him and his little friend they could go walk in the neighborhood, My, my son rides his bike in the neighborhood all the time, I really don't generally worry about it, But this particular day, it was after some incident that it just happened. And there are so many that I can't remember which one. But I do remember almost as soon as they left, I felt panicked. Um, And I I thought about Tamir Rice. And the thought that I had is people know my son. They don't know the other little boy. What if they think he's a threat? Like all of this went through my mind in a matter of seconds. And I had to, you know... I had to stop myself and say, okay, is this really a threat? But before I stopped myself, I went outside to see if I saw them because that just made me feel better. And actually I saw them walking around the corner and I was like, okay. But I think those type of things happen to um, black indigenous people of color frequently because of some of our experiences in this country where we think about what are the potential things that could happen? And just really being aware if this, as I said, is, is this really a threat in this particular time? Because if it is a threat, certainly you want to do things to keep you safe, being vigilant. Not, I'm not talking about hypervigilance, which we mentioned earlier is a symptom of PTSD, which a lot of people experience because of the, of, um, the trauma that has happened to them. But just being vigilant in terms of what's really happening in your surroundings. Um, is this really someone intending to be discriminatory or is this really a person not knowing? Sometimes people say things that, and they don't know. So I really recommend to people to just believe that it's not and then question. Because if you start out thinking that everything is a person intentionally trying to harm you, then that is going to put you in a state of constant agitation. And that's just no way to live. But you can ask the questions. Right. And, and here's what I think as I, you know, as a psychologist and listening to you, you know, share that experience. A part of our feelings of safety and security, it, as you're saying, it starts with us. And it starts with uh, how we are entering into a conversation, or not just a conversation, but a situation. Because if I'm already feeling hypervigilant mm-hmm. when I walk out the door, my anxiety actually puts me on edge. Mm-hmm. And so that if a situation happens un- unintentionally, 
I might do something to create an experience where, okay, see, I knew I wasn't safe here, right? And it could be because of something in my behavior, but I want to be very clear that we are justifiably so feeling this sense of angst. You know, my daughter, when she says, mom, take your hood off, she's justifiably so because she knows and she understands that things happen all the time. You know, people sit in their cars eating ice cream, black people sit in their cars eating ice cream and they're killed. Right. And so there is this angst. But when I think about feeling safe and secure, there are a couple of things that um, that I do so that I don't create so much anxiety in myself. And so maybe safety and security may not be the exact word that we're looking for. But for me, I don't repeatedly watch things that are traumatizing. And that feed into this mentality of, I am less than. See, this is how people treat me. Am I going to be vigilant when I go out? Yes, I'm very conscious when I go out. I'm conscious if I'm walking in certain neighborhoods or driving in certain neighborhoods. I am that. But at the same time, I'm also not going to continuously feed myself with all the negativity that is happening because that increases anxiety. And um, I wonder what your advice is to, to the folks that you treat around watching repeatedly, you know, a man murdered on TV. Cause some people do that white and, and people of color, they do that out of this sense of like, I've got to see it. I've got to be there and like be in that moment to know what happens. So I can look at it from all angles. What do you say to people about that? I I, I say exactly what you said. I tell them not to do that. In fact, when people are anxious in general, when they come to me, I tell them stop watching the news. Most times when people tell me they're very anxious, they are the people that watch the news daily. Like they're watching numerous news shows. And they're also the people that watch a lot of the shows that are about crime or things that have happened that are negative. And they say, this will keep me safe, but actually it ends up making them feel more anxious. I saw the same thing around the election. People came to me, people of of, of all races, and they had so much election anxiety. And I said, stop watching everything there is about that because Again, it's going to feed your anxiety. You have to be careful about what you're taking in on social media. You may need to take a break from social media because you will be fed story after story that, especially if these are the type of things you're looking at, because we know how algorithms work, this is what will come up in your feed constantly and you will see more of it. And I really have to have this talk with young people because they're on social media a lot. And sometimes the things are accurate, sometimes they're not, sometimes they're opinions, but again, all of that feeds people's anxiety. And you talked about what else, what people could do to feel safe. You did, um, at the beginning of the show, you talked about breathing and you went through a breathing meditation about what to breathe in and what to release. And I recommend that as well. Breathing is very important. And just centering yourself and knowing that you are safe, like especially if you have this connection with the sacred, just really knowing I'm safe, I'm protected, um, I, I am well. These are things that I tell people to affirm for themselves so to help reduce that sense of anxiety and to feel more safe as they're going out of the world. 
And I really love that you're saying that connectedness with sacred too. It allows mm-hmm. you to be in this place of feeling safe because mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is we can't predict what's going to happen to us one moment to the next, but we don't want to live in this space either of worry all the time. And we can't say that we don't want to live life because something might happen. So whether that's related to us, you know, uh, getting killed, you know, as it relates to racism or walking out here and a tree falling on us, whatever the case may be, our feelings of safety have to come in the security of being kept by something higher than us. And also just being, we, we just have to be in this place of it is well, all, all is well. It doesn't mean that everything is going right in the world, but my soul, my spirit is going to be at peace. And I think that that's one of the things that uh, helps our ancestors and the people who fought for social justice in the past, the people who've actually died fighting for social Mm -hmm. justice. I think they just had to say, to be in this place of peace, that whatever happens, like Dr. King said, whatever happens, I've been to the mountaintop, right? And so uh, I appreciate this discussion around safety and security. I I wonder though, um, how do we help people to understand and to deal with folks who say that racism doesn't exist in this country? And particularly, how do we, as people of color, deal with someone like the U.S. Senator um, Tim Scott, who's a Black man, who says that racism does not exist? We, of course, cannot diagnose him because we've not seen him and we've not evaluated him. But how do we how do we deal with that? Because I've seen people be really angry, disappointed, distressed, all things that are legitimate. But how do we help people to to cope with hearing messages like that? You're always going to hear messages that differ from what you believe and what you know to be true. And what I tell people is don't use your energy trying to convince people otherwise. Use your energy to do things that are positive for you to make a positive change in the world. And also just interacting and surrounding yourself with those people that do support you. But if you take what someone said and you let that impact your, your spirit, you're going to have custom problems because it's, because that's going to happen on myriad levels, not just about racism, but there are going to be people whose minds you can't change. They may be in deep denial. They're just made, they just may need more education. And if they're willing to have the conversation, you can do that. Otherwise, keep it moving. And I so agree with you because when I'm teaching my classes on dismantle, dismantling racism, I often tell folks who are in these heated conversations with family members or folks in their churches or in organizations, sometimes I say you have to meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. You are in a place where you are ready to move forward in the conversation. For a person who's brand new to this conversation, you don't go into the conversation just automatically trying to convince them, you you have white privilege, you're a white supremacist, you're this. No, even if you're white, you can't say that to your colleagues. There's a there's a method and a way in which you engage in these conversations. But like you, I also say that in this move to dismantle racism, know who your allies are and know who your supporters are. And 
I would also say that it's really important for us to not just go around people who are going to always stir up like dissension as well. So we don't want to always go around those people who are going to be calling Tim Scott, you know, or, or, or other people uh, negative names or just degrading them. That serves little purpose as well. So I always invite people to stay focused on, on what your goal is. But Dr. Jenkins, we need to take a quick break again. And when we come back, uh, we're going to continue the conversation of how do we take care of ourselves as we are living in these United States and beyond? We'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to our show today with our guest, Dr. Roselle Jenkins. Dr. Jenkins, we were talking before about feelings of safety and also just self-care and ways in which uh, families as well can really encourage uh, family members who are experiencing depression or feelings of uh, anxiety or maybe thoughts of suicide, how we can um, help those families to encourage people to get help. What more can you say around family support for people who are um, just dealing with mental health issues in general and also some of the physical symptoms of racism? Are there any other tips and tools that you can give us? 
Well, I really want to say, I want to advocate very strongly for families to encourage people to get help if they're seeing that they are overwhelmed, because sometimes people will see problems. They will know that someone is struggling tremendously and they ignore it or they say, let's just pray about it, which, you know, prayer is wonderful, but God can only do for you what God can do through you. And so there are mental health providers that can assist with that. If a person is having um, really serious problems or even problems that, that are just keeping them from functioning in the ways that they normally function, definitely encourage your loved one to get help. Um, and you talked before about the physical symptoms and you mentioned like the tightness in a person's chest. What I have noticed is that people feel have been experiencing quite a few panic attacks. And usually the very first time a person feels a, experiences a panic attack, they don't even know what it is. They just know that they can't breathe, their heart is pounding, and they feel like they're having a heart attack. They feel like they're going to die. So people commonly go to the emergency room for panic attacks. They go to the emergency room and they find out you're fine. It's just anxiety. If that is happening to you, there certainly are some strategies that can be used that you can try at home. But if you notice that that is happening to you and you don't have the coping skills to deal with that, certainly see a mental health provider. Um, breathing helps a lot with that. Anxiety is a disorder that lots of people experience in America. Lots of people of color experience anxiety, PTSD. As we talked about, these are things that people of color experience quite frequently certainly talk to a mental health provider and see what some of the strategies are, because sometimes it's going to be a matter of looking at the things that you're thinking and figuring out, like, am I thinking things that um, are increasing my anxiety and what can I do to manage those thoughts? And sometimes it's going to be a matter of what are some strategies, some relaxation strategies I can use to help better control those symptoms. Mm. Dr. Jenkins, you're saying so many things that gives me like a lot of questions that I'd love mm -hmm. to ask you. But of course, we we're we're running out of time here. What would you say, though, to those people out there who are looking for a therapist and they would love to have a therapist of color like long before we were dealing with COVID and the upsurge of uh, police killings? and other incidents that help us to feel devalued, folks would come to my practice and say, I'm looking for a Black therapist. Well, we know now, since there's been this upsurge, that there are just not enough of us to handle all the people who require therapy and who are looking for it. So what would you say to a person who is looking for a therapist? Any advice on the type of therapist that they should be looking for? You certainly want to look for someone who understands your cultural experiences, whether, whether it's a, a, a Black or Black therapist or a person of color, someone who's comfortable, someone with whom you feel comfortable and someone that is comfortable talking with you. And that is a matter of asking questions. You can ask questions when you first call, you know, have you had experience working with people of color? If you're calling about a particular issue, whether it's dealing with day-to-day -day microaggressions or racism or social injustice, you can ask your therapist or potential therapist if they've had experience talking about these things. But I would certainly just suggest asking the questions. You also can go to, 
You can ask your insurance company because sometimes they will know if a, if a provider is a person of color, if you specifically want a provider of color. And people will ask me that when they call and they usually apologize and they'll say, I'm sorry, you know, sorry to ask this, but are you African-American? You don't need to apologize for that. You need to have the therapist with whom you feel most comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with asking that question or asking any question you need to get the help that you need. Um, Psychology Today Online, you can find therapists through that referral source and you can see if therapist's interests align with what with, with, with what you're needing help with. Something you said though about people having trouble finding therapists, I certainly have seen an uptick in the number of people seeking my services. There, was, there never was enough <laughs> of us or me to go around uh, when people were calling for referrals, but that certainly has um, been the case now. And it's unfortunate because people really are distressed. I'm talking to people all the time not even people that are calling me for therapy. I can be going to someone for another service and they will say to me, I need a therapist. And, you know, usually I, I, I try to, you know, gauge if they're, if they're serious and nine times out of 10, they are, and they're asking for a referral. So I've found myself helping people look for therapists because so many people are in distress right now. And, and I, I would have to agree with you. I actually, uh, a few months back, I had a little minor surgery. And while I was, the anesthesiologist is working with me, the nurse is working with me, because they know that I'm a psychologist and a pastor, they started, t- and it was around the mm-hmm. elections. So they started talking to me and then I'm like, I didn't sleep at all last night, blah, 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 blah. blah. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, I'm getting ready to have surgery. In fact, I'm going to be out just like that. But there's a need Mm -hmm. for people to talk with folks. And so I just want to encourage our listeners today. There's so much more that we indeed could have talked about, but I do want to encourage folks to get the help that they need. And that includes our older generation, as well as the younger generation, because I think the older generation continues to be traumatized because of things that they saw in the 40s or 50s or 60s, and they're seeing some repeated patterns. They also carry that anxiety with them. So I want to encourage uh, even folks who don't feel like you have a mental health issue in the moment, please do go and get help. Pay attention to your body, pay attention to your thoughts, pay attention to your spirits. Dr. Jenkins, before we uh, leave, just just one minute, if you could tell us, I know you have your book on sheltering, but then please tell us a little bit about your book and how your book might be helpful uh, to folks who are just dealing with racism. Okay. For people that are can see this and are joining us on Facebook Live, the book is Cultivating Joy sheltering within during life storms. And it really is about maintaining joy no matter what is going on externally. So even when you're dealing with things in the world like racism or um, unfortunately uh, shootings of unarmed Black men, I, in fact, there is an instance in the book where I talk about the shooting that um, occurred of the Black people who were worshiping when the white, when the white guy came in, the young white guy to worship with them. And and um, shot those people and how devastating that was. And so when things like that happen, of course it can take you to a dark place. It takes me to a dark place as a therapist, but remembering that there is there is still much joy to be had in the world and how to connect with people even after that. Like that really to me is how we resist 
Um, that's a form of resistance, being able to maintain joy and to connect to people and still be loving to not let these experiences take us outside of that place. So I, I definitely recommend my book as a resource um, for people. And you can get the book by going to Dr. Roselle, D-R-R-O-S-E-L-L.com. And if you go there now, you can get a signed copy. Um, and there is no postage or there's no shipping for you if you get the book through my site at drroselle.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Roselle Jenkins. It has been a pleasure to have you on the show today. I hope our listening audience have they've gained some information that will help them on this road to dismantle racism. I want to thank all my listeners there today and invite you to come back uh, next week as well and hear more on how we can dismantle racism and increase racial equity for everyone. Stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with the host, Sam Leibowitz, and we will see you next week. All of Dr. Jenkins' information will be posted as well on our site. And until next time, make sure that you breathe in joy, that you breathe in healing as well, and release anxiety and dissension. Bye for now. Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military, and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. 
Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 